I'm going to ask you to go in your Bible to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to go to chapter 40, one of the best known passages of Scripture, perhaps among the people of God, is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I want to begin at verse 27, as we come to the Word of God this morning, and we are reminded of His awesome power and His protection over those who fear and trust in him our nation and the nations of the world have experienced and are experiencing a time of crisis and yet for the people of God there is an abiding peace an abiding peace in the knowledge of this fact our God reigns our God is in control Isaiah chapter 40 reminds us of that if you read the 40th chapter of Isaiah, which I encourage you to do, I'm going to just summarize a little bit of the chapter before I read. In the beginning of the chapter, we begin with the words, Comfort, oh comfort my people. We usually hear these words around Christmas time, but we hear in them the kind voice of God toward the nation of Israel and toward all those who will come to him in repentance. He says, comfort, oh comfort you, my people. That is God's message to you this morning. You can take comfort in God. Where does this comfort come from? It comes from the fact that God is great and that God is good. If you go down to verse 12 of the chapter, you read about the power of God and the works of his hands. It says that he measured the oceans in the hollow of his hand. Imagine, friends, a God who measured the oceans, the Atlantic and the Pacific, and all of the nation of the oceans of the world in the hollow of his hand. Can he not hold you and I in this time of crisis and need? Surely he can. Then in verse 15, he speaks of the nations. And he says that the nations are as a drop in a bucket and that they are regarded as a speck of dust. We hear of the awesome power of God who rules over the affairs of men and for whom the nations of the world are his possession. Then we read in beginning at verse 20, and that paragraph speaks of the world. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you? Do you not, do you not understand that he sits above the circle of the earth? It speaks of the fact that God has all power over creation. And as its creator, he sits above it. And there we read of his reign and sovereign rule. In verse 23, it speaks of God's rule and sovereignty even further. And it says that he reduces rulers to nothing and make the judges of the earth meaningless. We're reminded that all day, although today presidents and kings seek to find solutions to the modern problem in our health system and in our economy that there is a God who rules and reigns above all things, above all powers and principalities, and that he sits alone as God for all eternity. And now verse 27, God speaks to Israel and he says, Why do you say, O Jacob, why do you assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of God. Do you not know? 
Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings as an eagle. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the word of God, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask you to speak through my lips of clay to a church and a nation in need of your present word. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to keep your Bible open as we study the Word of God this morning for a few moments. And I want to encourage you when you study a passage of Scripture, especially one like the one we're considering this morning, which is so well known. This is probably a Bible verse that if you grew up in a Christian home, you've heard it and you've sung it. And it's probably a Bible verse that's on a wall somewhere in your house uh, or your grandmother's house if you are uh, part of a Christian family. This is one of the verses that Christians quote, and it is a good one. But the context of it is that the nation of Israel was in crisis. The king of Israel had made an alliance with the nations uh, uh, surrounding him in order to find military support and power at a time of need. And he discovered that when push came to shove, those nations were no match for the uh, Assyrian nation. And so he found himself alone. He found himself in desperate need of divine intervention. Much like we find ourselves today in a world in, in search of answers and in search of solutions. And we must realize that the answer and the solution comes from God. It comes from the Almighty. And so chapter 40 of Isaiah is written to a nation and to a king in the middle of that great and desperate need. And I want you to draw your attention to this portion of scripture this morning because it speaks to our time as well. We find in the verse 27 and 28 that God asks a question and he tells the nation of Israel why. Why do you say my way is hidden from God and God has not been able to give to me the justice due me? We find in those questions two of the great problems that face the human race. There is a tendency in the heart of man when there is trouble in the earth and when there is a time of need, crisis, or calamity. There is a tendency in the heart of man to find someone to blame and there's also a tendency to look for a quick fix, an easy solution. And I want to tell you, friend, this is not uh, something new. This has been going on all throughout history since the fall of man and it's going on today. Our world today is looking for someone to blame and it's looking for easy solutions and quick fixes to the problem that is in our world. 
Yesterday I heard one of the reporters on one of the national television uh, news networks asking the question, how will we punish China? And that's not a question that I heard for the first time. It's been uh, circulated for a little while now. And we hear in that the tendency of the human heart to say we need someone to blame, someone to punish, someone to look to, to say this is their fault. Some will, will uh, want to blame China. Others will want to blame Europe. Some will blame the president. Some will blame the Republicans. Some will blame the Democrats. Some will blame the previous administration. And this is going to go on and on because man's heart is wicked in that particular way. The Bible tells us about Adam when God came into the garden after he and Eve had sinned against God and discovered their nakedness, that the Lord said to Adam, Why did you hide? And Adam said, The woman that you gave me. And immediately uh, the fallen man blames the woman and he blames God for the situation that he is in. I don't know, after all, who is responsible for the particular crisis we're in. Maybe better decisions could have been made along the way. But I do know this, friend. That there is an area in this present crisis in which each one of us can take responsibility and say, God, I need to come to you in repentance and seek your forgiveness. Because, friends, like it or not, America and the nations of the world have sinned against God. And the only way to repair that breach is to repent before him. We see in our world the tendency to blame because man seeks to push away the responsibility of repentance and of turning again to God. And I think the great tragedy of finding someone to blame is that by not taking responsibility, a man, a city, a nation, and the world misses an opportunity to draw near to God, to learn from Him, and to learn from this crisis how better we may serve the Lord. It's also important instead of blame and looking for someone to point to, to say to God, God, I'm trusting you. And I am relying on the fact that I have an identity as a child of God. And can I tell you, friend, in life you will have opportunities to blame all types of people for the failures and setbacks that you and I experience. Some blame preachers for why they don't attend church or worship God. Some blame their parents for why they're not successful. Some blame their community or their race for not being able to make it out of the trouble that they're in. Some say, well, if I had been born in that way or in the, in the other, then I'd be wealthier, I'd be richer, I'd have more. Friend, can I tell you, put all of that aside. That is a waste of your time. What you ought to do is recognize this. You're a child of God. And regardless of your race, regardless of your background, because you're a child of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and you can't be kept down. Come on, somebody. You belong to the family of the Almighty. You are a child of the Lord, and He cares for you. The other tendency of man is to look for the quick fix, the easy solution. The problem in our world today is a complex problem, one that has no easy fix. We have a health crisis on our hand. 
which has led to a shutdown, which now has led to an economic trouble, an economic crisis, which then leads to other health issues and other crises in other ways. We see lack and shortage. And we see the continued growth of this problem. And someone might say, Pastor, is there a quick fix? Is there an easy solution? I don't think so, friend. I don't believe there is a quick fix. But that's the tendency of our heart, isn't it? To say, God, hurry up. Give me some pill I can swallow. Give me some easy thing I can do to get rid of the trouble that's in my life. Sometimes uh, a couple will come into a counselor's office or the office of a pastor. And they're on the edge or brink of divorce. And they want a quick fix. They want that man or woman to counsel them in an hour and heal what took 20 years to destroy. Friends, there is no quick fix for that. Others are in financial trouble. They get into debt. And then they want to go to a one-day seminar. And in eight hours, they want to eliminate all of their financial woes. And they want to eliminate the mistakes they've made by heavy indebtedness. And they want a quick fix. But friend, there is no quick fix for that. The answer is not to look for a quick fix. The answer is to put your trust and to wait upon the Lord. To see what does God say and what does God say in His Word. The problems of debt, the problems of a loss, the problems of divorce, the problems of lack are solved best when you and I bring them to God and we wait upon Him. The Bible tells us, be still and know that I am God. And friend, you and I must understand that God has a purpose and He has a way that He is working in our lives. I know that we're going through this time of pandemic and we all want an easy and quick solution. We want a quick exit. But can I tell you, friend, put your trust in God and depend upon the fact that even in the midst of this trial, that He is working something good in your life and that He is bringing about His sovereign purpose on your life. Perhaps what we're enduring today is the answer to our prayers. We've said, God, we pray that you will bring revival to our land. We pray that you will turn the heart of the people to you again. Perhaps God has answered our prayer. And he's allowed this time of trouble to come. That we might turn again to him as a nation. And, and put our trust again in God. What is God up to? He's up to something good for you. Maybe for the world there is a time of consequence. But for the believer... There is a time for trust, a time for dependence upon God, a time to say, Lord, have your way in my life. Teach me what I need to learn. I mentioned to you on Wednesday night what the prophet Isaiah says. He says, when the judgments of God are upon the earth, the righteous learns righteousness. But when the favor of God is upon the earth, the wicked learn nothing. This is a time for learning. A time for the people of God to get quiet before God and to say, Lord, do the work in me which you want done. That I might better reflect your character and nature in my life until you come. In Matthew chapter 13, the Bible tells us about a man who planted a field of wheat. 
In this parable, Jesus says that the man planted a field of wheat, but while the laborers slept, an enemy came, and he sowed, he sowed tares among the wheat. He sowed weeds among the wheat. And now, when those plants began to come up, the laborers recognized that there was uh, a, a tear planted among the wheat. And they went to the owner and they said, surely your enemy has done this. And they said, let us go and pull out the tares so that we can rid this crop of this problem. The man said, no, don't do that. He said, let them grow together. And when the harvest comes, I will say to you, Go and gather the tares and pile them up and burn them. And gather the wheat and put it into a barn. What I want you to see in that today is that there is a need in every one of our hearts to allow God to do the work that he wants to do in our life. And to allow him to do it in his timing and for his purpose. Do you realize, friend, that if they had torn out the tares, they would have... They would have destroyed the wheat as well. And so he says, no, wait. I, a time will come when I will speak. And God is saying to you today, trust in me. Trust that I have a time and a purpose. And that when I speak, no one will be able to thwart what I have spoken. But while I am working, let me do the thing in your heart and in your life that needs doing today. To wait on God is sometimes a challenge, sometimes difficult, especially in a world like ours, where we want it quick and we want it now. But I, I remind you of what God's Word tells you this morning. I remind you the words of James chapter 1, verse 14. It says, Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and lacking nothing. What does God's Word say? When patience has accomplished its perfect work, when God has produced in you the thing that he wishes to produce through this season of your life, you will be entire, you'll be whole, and you will be lacking in nothing. One thing we hear a lot these days is, I can't wait to get back, back to normal, back to the way things were. Can I tell you, friend, I don't want to go back, not back to normal. Not if it means that backslidden Christians continue to live in their sin. No, I want to go forward. I want to say, God, if we're going to go through this trial, let us be stronger. Let us be better. Let us be more completely given over to you and to the things of God. Come on, somebody. If you're going to go through this, you might as well grow. You might as well increase. You might as well become the man and the woman that God has designed for you to be. And you need to make up your mind. I'm going to get a harvest out of this. I'm going to get a harvest out of this trial and out of this trouble that we are in today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, for the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And Peter writes to an afflicted church in 1 Peter chapter 5. And verse 10, and he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, secure you, strengthen you, and establish you. 
I want you to know those four things because while you go through this trouble and while our nation goes through this time, you are seeing the blessing of God over your life because you are in the hands of the Almighty. And he says, anything that you lost, I can restore. And anything that was insecure, I can make secure in your life. And I will strengthen you, and I will establish you. Come on, it's time for you to become the man and woman of God that he has designed for you to be. It's time to get rid of the wobbly knees Christianity and make up your mind to serve the Lord in every season and in all times because he's God and because he is worthy of it. Somebody say amen if you believe that this morning. So what does God say to this nation? When they are trying to find someone to blame and they have fixed their blame on God and they have said to God, God, why don't you know where I am and why don't you do the justice that I need? He says to them, first of all, don't you know who I am? I'm God. I'm in control. I rule sovereignly over all of the affairs of men. And he says, those who wait upon me will have a different outcome than those who trust and rely in quick fixes and in man-made solutions. What does it mean to wait on God? He says, those who wait upon the Lord. What does it mean to wait upon him? Well, first of all, to wait means to be busy doing the things that he's called you to do. Waiting doesn't mean sitting on your front porch and waiting for God to do something in your life. It means that you are busy doing the thing that he told you to do last until he gives you a new instruction. Are you busy about the Father's business? Are you doing the things that God has called and gifted you to do? That's the truest thing you can do as you wait. To wait upon God means that you put your faith to work. You wait upon him by activating your faith toward him and activating your confidence in him through every season and through every test. You wait upon God by giving him full and complete trust and dependence. That's what the word best can be described as in the Hebrew sense of the word is to put all of your trust in God. Are you trusting in God this morning? Are you trusting in his ability to see you through this? Can I tell you, friend, that's the best place for your confidence to rest today. Because you see, the Bible says, blessed is the man who does not put his confidence in man. But blessed is the man who puts his confidence in God. For he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose roots go into the stream and who bears fruit in every season. That's God's plan for your life. But you have to put your trust exclusively in Him. When you wait upon God, when you put your trust in Him, these are the things that happen. First of all, He renews your strength. We know this verse, especially those who have been a, a Christian for a while, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's God's promise for you this morning. A renewal of your strength every single day. In fact, the, the Hebrew word that is here described as renew would be better described as exchange. Those who wait upon the Lord will exchange their strength for His. 
The word renew literally means to exchange. Like when you take an old car to a dealership and you exchange it for a new car. We, we call that a trade-in. God says to you and I this morning, wait upon me. Trust in me. And while you're trusting, I will trade your sorrow for my joy. I will trade your sickness for my health. I will trade your brokenness for wholeness. I will turn your mourning into joy and blessing. And I will turn your despair into praise and worship. If you wait upon God, he says, I will do a trade-in. I'll take your sorrows, your brokenness, your sin, and your loss. And I will give you righteousness. And I will give you joy. And I will give you peace. Friend, the most important thing that you need to trade in today is your sin. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We all deserve the wrath and judgment of God. But today there is mercy to you. Today he says to you, come to me. And no one who comes to him will under any circumstances be turned away. I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ. Trade your sin for his righteousness. Trade your sorrow and your shame for his perfect forgiveness this morning. And you can find rest and peace for your soul. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Do I have to go to a church? Do I have to go to a chapel? Do I need to speak to an evangelist? What must I do to exchange my sin for the righteousness of God? Friend, right where you are, you can do that by faith, by simply accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Son of the living God who died on the cross for your sin. And if you will repent and turn to Him, you today can exchange sin for righteousness and you can exchange brokenness for wholeness and have the peace of God overwhelming your heart. Will you say yes to him today? Will you trade in what you are for what he can make of you? He'll do what no man and what no education and what no amount of money can do in your life. He says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And then he speaks of the next thing that will happen in your life. And he says, when you trust upon God, you will find perseverance. You will find endurance. Listen what he's saying. He says, you will mount up with wings like an eagle. You will run and not get tired, and you will walk and not faint. Why does he want you to rise up like an eagle? Well, the eagle rises above the storm. The eagle rises above the trial. The eagle has a perspective that is much broader and much greater than uh, the perspective of man upon the earth. Today God says to you, put your trust in me and I will give you a new perspective. I'll give you the ability to rise above this storm and to enjoy the peace of heaven right in the middle of the pandemic that is on the earth. That you can enjoy the grace of God and the peace of God in the midst of a storm is an absolute miracle. But it is God's promise to everyone who will trust in Him. Somebody this morning needs to rise above. You need to go up. You need to rise up in your thinking. You need to rise up in your living. You need to rise up in your doing. You've been allowing these times to make you 
worse instead of better, to make you weaker instead of stronger. You've been allowing the negative and the emotion of anger and negativity to cloud your heart and your mind. Today, I encourage you to trust in God because, friend, when you trust in God, He'll change your perspective and your mindset and He'll change the way you think so that you can look at the storm and know that my God is the master of the storm and He is the one who rides above the storm and above the whirlwind. Let God bring you up this morning, up out of every low thought and every low feeling and every low place to bring you to a place of peace. Many years ago, I heard the story of a young pilot during World War II. He was a new pilot, didn't have as much experience as he needed, perhaps. He was learning. One day while he was flying that aircraft, he realized that there was a rat in the airplane below his feet. And it was starting to gnaw away at some wires. This naturally panicked him as it would anybody. He started to worry that the instruments were going to fail. He started to worry that he was going to die. He called to the tower. And he said, what do I do? There's a rat in the cockpit chewing away at the wires. I'm afraid. They said to him, calm down and fly higher. He said, what do you mean fly higher? They said, fly higher because you have oxygen and the rat does not. Can I just tell you this morning, it's time to fly higher. It's time to go and, and do what God does, to think his thoughts, to enjoy the mind of Christ this morning. Why? Because you have oxygen. You have the supernatural power of the Spirit of God. You have the enduring presence of God. You have the grace of God, the favor of God. You have the peace of God. Fly higher, Christian, and you will see that God is in control and that God rises above the storms of life to give you peace. As you do that, as you rise higher, you begin to see, oh, wait a minute, that storm was producing something in my life. That trial, that loss, that layoff, was producing something in my life. And God was causing it to work together for my good because I'm his child, because I belong to him. You'll have endurance when you trust in God. The kind of endurance, he says, you will mount up with wings like an eagle. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. Are you trusting in him this morning? Have you trusted in Jesus as your Lord? Have you made him Savior? If not, friend, I encourage you to put your trust in Jesus today. Give him all of your heart, all of your life. He wants it all. The broken, the confused, the lost, the despair, he wants it all. Give it all to him. Let him take all of those things and give you his peace and his power, his strength. And his endurance. He says though you are a young man. You're going to get tired. And though you're vigorous and strong. You're going to grow weary. But if you trust in God. You'll have supernatural strength. And supernatural endurance. 
as you go through every test and trial. I pray today you'll put your trust in Jesus and give him all of your heart. If you say, Pastor Isaac, this morning I want to give my life to Christ. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to be a member of the family of God. How can I be that? How can I do that? The Bible says that if you will confess your sin to God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you will be saved. Will you do that this morning? Confess your sin to him and receive Christ as your Lord. If you'll do that, you can be saved right this morning where you are. And what a day this will be for you. It'll change your eternal destiny. It'll change your life. If you want to pray with me this morning and give your life to Christ, would you do that? Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God. I deserve judgment. I deserve wrath. But today I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to give me a new start. Come be Lord of my life. Come direct my steps, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead, and that you're coming back. And I receive you and your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Body of Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a member of God's family, you're a part of the household of faith, would you just lift your hands to heaven where you are and just say, Lord, I trust in you and I receive your peace this morning. I receive your joy. I exchange my sorrows, my doubts, my fears, my worries for your peace this morning. I put my trust in you and I receive your strength in exchange in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit right where you are? Let Him touch your life. Let Him touch your, your heart. Let Him strengthen you where you're weak this morning. You're not going to fall or fail. God will uphold you by His mighty right arm.